Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. Okay, we've got a very womanly episode today. We are talking about stories that have to do with women. Um, Women and I would say motherhood are under fierce attack as they have been literally since the beginning of time. Our mother, the mother of all of us, Eve, was the first to be targeted by Satan, to be tempted, to be asked the question, did God really say? The first one to be tempted to question both God's authority and her own identity. And still to this day, we see women and what seems, um, and motherhood, uh, and what these things mean, we see them being redefined, perverted, diminished by mainstream culture. Um, there are a few stories this week that happened that I think represent all of this. One was the Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services, who goes by Rachel Levine. Uh, This is a man who identifies as a woman. That's the most accurate language that I can use. I'm not trying to be purposely inflammatory. I'm not trying to be rude. This is factually what this person is, a man who now has grown out his hair and now identifies as a woman. Um, He is being called by the New York Times and other outlets the first female four-star admiral. I always want to say admirable. Admiral in the United States Health Service. And then there was this tweet by Margaret Atwood. She is the feminist author of The Handmaid's Tale. She's being called a turf online trans-exclusionary radical feminist for questioning why we can't use the word woman anymore. And then if we have time, uh, we'll get to Pete Buttigieg and his male partner who adopted two kids, twins. He went on paternity leave. He is transportation secretary, and there's a lot of transportation things that are going on right now that could use his help. And that is not criticizing paternity leave. Uh, There is uh, a lot of complexity to the criticisms that I think he's facing him. We'll talk about that if we have time. Uh, Commentator Essie Cup says that the reason that Pete Buttigieg is getting criticism is because pro-life conservatives are hypocrites and really he should be a hero to us. Well, that completely gets wrong, the arguments that conservatives are making. And we will also do a follow-up on the Dave Chappelle special saga. People are protesting Netflix. We'll play a little clip of that. And then again, um, if we have time, I want to end the episode with this awesome short clip of Condoleezza Rice on The View talking about the tenets of critical race theory and what we should be teaching kids, both white, black, and brown. Um, And uh, just I think that it's a a great refutation of the principles that we have been seeing of CRT. And we will definitely announce finally a giveaway winner from the 500th episode. All right, let's first talk about Rachel Levine. So here is how the New York Times reported on Levine's new title. Quote, Dr. Rachel Levine was sworn in as the first female four-star admiral in the history of the U.S. Public Health Service Commissioned Corps. So Rachel Levine, who lived as Richard Levine, most of his life, was married to a woman until 2013, has two children, uh, transitioned at some point in the last few years or publicly transitioned. We don't really know what went on behind the scenes before that. Um, So that means he lived more than 50 years as a man and is now calling himself a woman. 
And now he gets the honor of being a first, uh, which he would not get that particular honor if he were considered publicly what he is, which is just a white male. We have had plenty of white male four-star admirals before this, but now we have a white male with long hair who wears lipstick, and apparently that is history-making stuff, and we are all supposed to clap like seals and not along with this as if it's completely normal and we're a celebration. And let's just note that he wasn't even particularly good at his job before he got appointed for this position. So this is according to a great article by LifeSite News. I really appreciate their willingness to use proper pronouns when it comes uh, to talking about a male. Um, So this article says this, quote, Apart from Levine's personal gender confusion, critics note that Levine ran Pennsylvania's draconian COVID-19 response, pushing nursing homes to readmit Wuhan coronavirus patients and ordering two-year-olds to wear masks in public. His nursing home stance was particularly controversial in light of the revelation that he moved his 95-year-old mother out of a nursing home at the same time. Of course, once again, rules for thee and not for me. He is also a radical. Quote, he has been a longtime outsider spoken proponent of gender affirmation, that's in quotes, and quote, sex reassignment treatment for minors. In a 2017 lecture, he endorsed puberty blockers to gender-confused children throughout puberty, followed by, quote, sex change surgery at 18. While transgender surgery usually is performed only on adults, Levine said, quote, there are exceptions. Last month, Senator Rand Paul slammed Levine for his refusal to say, absolutely, minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breasts or to amputate their genitalia. So Levine wouldn't say whether or not he endorses that kind of procedure, even without parental consent. Mind you that Richard Levine, for the majority of his career, served as a pediatrician. Um, So I said this on Twitter, and it's absolutely true. No one cares what a privileged white man says or does until he says he's a woman. Now, just because of that declaration, he is a part of the oppressed class. I think I've said this before, but it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Michael Scott when he, you know, comes out into the open in the office. He says, "I declare." bankruptcy. And Oscar's like, you can't just say that you are bankrupt. And he's like, well, I didn't just say it. I declared it. It's the same kind of power here. You can't just declare that you're a woman, but apparently you can. You're a part of the oppressed class. You get all of these accolades. You get the New York Times saying that you are the first female four-star admiral. It's amazing. So for 50 years, you're a part of the allegedly oppressive cis-heteropatriarchy, and now you're a shiro. And now you've beat out all the other women who have worked hard to get where you are. And now when an actual woman gets to this level, it'll be old news. It won't matter. She won't get the same accolades. Eh, A woman's already done it. Someone actually told me on Instagram, I got a message um, because I, I, posted, I, I did a post on Instagram just saying you should never trust an entity who says a man can become a woman. And then I posted the New York Times tweet and then I posted um, a picture of Levine. And it was the picture of Levine, I think, that the New York Times posted. Or it's a, it, But it's a publicly available official picture. I didn't pick some bad picture. I mean, he's posed for this picture with makeup on and all that stuff. And someone messaged me and said it was mean. It was mean of me to post that picture, that that was unchristlike like to post that picture. I'm just confused by that. 
Like, I used his official professional recent photo. If you think that's mean, then what are you saying? What are you saying if you think that's rude? I, d- I don't know. If you're uncomfortable with his picture, maybe, like, maybe you should think about that a little bit. Like, ask yourself why a picture of someone who is very clearly a man with long hair and lipstick calling himself a woman makes you uncomfortable. Is it perhaps because you know that's not a woman and that he doesn't look like a woman and we just are going to obscure that fact and we're going to pretend that someone who presents like this is just as much of a woman as anyone else? It's insane. It's a, it's, it's a little bit insane, right? Like, let's not, let's try to remove ourselves from the double think and let's examine the discomfort, the natural discomfort that you might feel within that. I think it points to something very true. All right. I want to get to more of this in just one second. But first, I got to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. So is all of this just overwhelming to you? Are you like, oh my gosh, I'm just, how is the world so backwards? Romans 1 is manifesting itself right before our eyes. And it's just a crazy time. It's a very crazy time to be alive. And you need to remember what is good and right and true. You need to renew your mind with the truth of scripture. That is why the app Dwell exists. It is a Bible app inspired by the psalmist's command that we must hide the word of God in our hearts. Dwell has built a beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures with over a dozen new recordings of the Bible. They have handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you. And in case you are wondering, yes, they have all the best versions of the Bible. They've got ESV, NIV, KJV, NASB. I like ESV and NASB and NKJV myself. ESV is my version of choice, but there's a lot of good ones out there. They also have a new feature called the read-along experience, which lets you read big, bold text accompanied by beautiful background art while you are listening. This helps you really retain what you are reading and listening to so you can truly hide God's word in your heart. Studies have shown increased recall when listening and reading are combined. So it is time to get in the word. So to get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash relatable to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. Dwellapp.io slash relatable for 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. Go to dwellapp.io slash relatable. So LGBTQ activists like to say that people like me, when I'm talking about the definition of what a woman is, that we are reducing women to their genitalia and their ability to have kids. And that's just an awful thing to do, apparently, Um, by saying that only women have a uterus. And to be a woman, you have to have a certain biological makeup. They say, oh, well, a woman is more than that. That's so reductionistic. That's so objectifying. That's so weird to reduce a woman to just her body and her anatomy. No, 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 no. They are the ones reducing. I mean, these are the same people that are defining people by their body parts. Like Teen Vogue actually had a... um, actually had a picture trying you know pointing out different parts of the female anatomy and they said people without a prostate okay so who is really reducing people to their anatomy is it me who says oh you know only women have a uterus only women can give birth only women have female chromosomes or is it people who are saying gestators or people with a vagina i mean come on guys come on they are the ones reducing women because they are actually saying in addition to use using 
crazy newspeak language, uh, they are saying that a woman is not biology. It's actually just long hair and makeup, which is way more superficial than saying that uh, that a woman is defined by her biology. They're saying that, oh, yeah, you know, it's just these changes in your appearance. It's pronouns in your bio. It's a declaration. It's a decision. It's a it's a skirt and heels. That's way more superficial than saying only a woman has a uterus. A woman is way more than just pronouns in your bio. It's way more than just a, a declaration and a decision to wear makeup one day. Being a woman means being an adult human female. That is the definition of what it means to be a woman, which means that you have female chromosomes and everything that comes from that. And before someone says something about intersex, those are intersex disorders are very rare disorders. They exist. The people who have them are, are of course, made in the image of God, wonderful, beautiful, but they don't negate the existence of male and female in the same way, as I've said many times, that people born with one leg don't negate the fact that human beings are bipeds. So yes, being a man um, and being a woman, these things are defined by your body. And in that body and with the hormones and the brain that comes with being male or female, your experiences also differ. That is part of what makes male and female. That doesn't mean that all men and all women have the same experiences, but many do. And those experiences matter. And they do make up part of what it means to be male and female in addition to the primary designator, which is our bodies, the makeup of which was determined at the moment of conception in our DNA. One of those experiences yesterday, I shared this on Instagram. I was driving I stopped at a stoplight. I was talking to my dad on the phone. I looked over to my right and there was this old guy in his pickup truck next to me just staring at me. And, you know, every woman has had that moment of discomfort where you're like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. But I accidentally did because I looked over and I'm always kind of looking to see is who is next to me in the car for this very reason, because it's, a, you know, you can feel un- uncomfortable in these type of situations. Unfortunately, these are just things that women typically think about, even though I was in a safe area, but I made eye contact. And when I saw him, uh, he started making kissing faces at me. It was disgusting. It was, it was disgusting. And I was so thankful when the light turned green and he turned right and I kept going straight because it made me nervous. Like I said, I was fine. I was fine. I was, you know, in a crowded, safe area, but it's off-putting. It makes you feel unsafe. Every woman that I know has experienced something like that at one time or another, and we don't even really think about it. Rachel Levine has never experienced this. I said this on Instagram, and people thought I was talking about his looks, and I I wasn't. I actually wasn't talking about because he looks a certain way. I was just talking about the fact that he lived 50 years as a man, (laughs) and so he's never experienced something like that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I and every other woman have experienced things like that throughout our lives. There's a a particular vulnerability that comes with being a woman, being the smaller, weaker sex that does make parts of life more challenging from childhood through adulthood. I'm certainly not throwing some pity party here. That's just the way it is. There's a reason why women are predominantly the victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse. It's because of the innate biological differences between men and women. These things do matter. And yes, there are differences, obviously, in the processes of puberty between boys and girls that are also part of the defining experiences that make men and women what we are. 
the experience of conception and childbirth, if these things are experienced, do make men and women very different. Not every woman has gone through, for example, C-sections like I have. And I'm not saying that someone who has not, uh, a woman who has not given birth or gotten pregnant or any of those things that they're less of a woman, obviously that's another red herring uh, misrepresentative um, argument that, uh, you know, the LGBTQ activists make that if I say that only women can give birth, they think that I'm saying that only people who give birth can be women. And that's not what I'm saying. But the experience surrounding childbirth and the pain that comes with all of that, the experiences that come with uh, no matter what kind of birth that you had for me, it was C-sections and it was a very uniquely painful and female experience that my husband and all of his experiences as a man will never be able to know himself. That is part of, part of what constitutes is the differences between men and women. And in an age where people say that lived experience is supreme, is to e- is equal to objective truth, which obviously I deny, but a lot of the same people that reject female lived experiences, they're the people who are also saying lived experience is so important. Like, why is this so hard to understand that the lived experience of women is different than the lived experience of men? And these things matter. I know people are going to say, well, trans women, as as they are called, experience harassment and distress and went through difficult puberty themselves and they have their own experiences. They have their own distresses. Yes, sure. But these are not female experiences. These are experiences of males who are dressing as women. That's a different experience. I'm happy to hear about those experiences, but they're not experiences of women. Imagine a white person underwent procedures to make themselves look like a black person when they're 30 years old. They changed their skin color. Maybe they even went so far as to try to change the texture of their hair, even the shape of their facial features, you know, kind of like Rachel Dolezal. Remember Rachel Dolezal? She, you know, said that she identified as a black person. Would you consider that person black? And the question is, why not? Why would you not consider that person black? They lived their whole life white, but then at age 30, 30, they decided to undergo a transformation to make them look like a black person, and they insisted everyone affirm their new identity. Why wouldn't you affirm their new identity? Because you know that being black is more than the color of your skin. It's more than just appearance. It's it's part of your DNA. It's also the experiences that you've had living as a black person that a white person probably can't fully know. While race is a social construct, ethnicity is not a social construct. It's not something that you can just take on and off. I mean, it is, it's part of who you are. It's part of your biology and your identity. It doesn't matter what you declare yourself to be. You can't declare yourself a new ethnicity. It just doesn't work like that. And no one would accept that. Like if all of a sudden at 30 years old, a white person declared themselves to be a black person and they said, you know, I've really been oppressed as a black person my whole life. uh, You would deny that, right? Like you would say, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't count. You have not had the same experiences as a black person and that actually matters. Okay, well, it's the same thing with gender. A man can become a woman no more easily than a white person can become a black person. And it's honestly, it's insane. I know I keep on using that word, but it's insane that this even has to be explained. Now, 
perhaps Levine truly struggles with gender dysphoria and we should have compassion for that. Absolutely. People with gender dysphoria, which is a very rare mental disorder, it is categorized as a mental disorder by the DSM-5. I'm sure that'll change one day. That doesn't change the fact. But they feel discomfort in their bodies because of their sex. And can you imagine feeling that way? I I mean, I can't. I I can only try to imagine how distressing and how depressing it would be to feel like you're trapped in your body and that your internal sense of who you are doesn't match what you see in the mirror. That would be really, really hard. But that is a, that's a very rare disorder. And as we've discussed on the show with Walt Heyer and with other people who are experts in this field, Walt Heyer, though, is um, he's experienced this himself. He is a man who presented himself as a female for decades before accepting who he is as a man. He works with people who identify as transgender, and he has found that many people who are Um, uh, who he's talking to are actually struggling with other kinds of disorders. So other kinds of body dysmorphia, autogonophilia, depression, anxiety, other paraphilias, and they're not actually getting the treatment or consideration they should be getting because the field of um, psychology and even pediatrics is only, for really political and ideological reasons, only allowed to do what's called gender affirmation and uh, put kids, minors, adults down this road of, um, of procedures, of medical procedures, in order to try to get their bodies to match their inward declaration. That is not how you should be treating people that have all kinds of different disorders and different problems that are unfortunately being misdiagnosed as gender dysphoria. Um, I have no idea what category Rachel Levine falls into. But to identify as something that is not your sex is a disorder. And no one is obligated to affirm it as reality. So we can have compassion for someone's struggle without affirming that which we know is not true. For the New York Times to say that Rachel Levine is female, not just transgender or a, so, uh, transgender or a so-called trans woman, but female, I mean, come on, like, how do people not see that that is Orwellian nonsense? Like, how do you not see that this is just as ridiculous as saying that two and two make five or that a dog can identify as a lizard or a white person can identify as a black person? Saying a man can become a woman or vice versa is just as absurd as any of those things. And we knew that as recently as 10 years ago. Rachel Levine is a man. He has male chromosomes. He had or has male genitalia. There is nothing about him that is female except for his changed name. That is why I am using he, him pronouns, because I refuse to buy into the premise that biology is bigotry. And pronouns have always corresponded with biology, not so-called gender identity. Gender identity, as we've talked about many times, is not a real scientific concept. It was made up by a doctor named John Money in the 1960s, Like I said, we've talked about this many times on the show before, so I won't get into all of the details. That would take another, you know, 20 minutes to get through. You can look it up or you can go back and listen to the episode in which I explained this. But the guy was a pervert. He was an abuser. And his theory was proven totally wrong. The boy he tried to convince was a girl ended up realizing he was a boy when he was a teenager. He later committed suicide. Um, he later committed suicide as an adult. It's a horrible story. And that's the origin of this concept of gender identity, along with another pervert named Alfred Kinsey. So no, like I'm not going to go along with the pronoun nonsense, which gives credence to an idea that I see as very destructive, as very harmful, and again, as insane. 
because it's a lie. It's a lie. Now, I want to get into the Christian perspective on this in just one second, but I've got to tell you about our next sponsor for the day. This is a very important organization doing amazing work. That is Alliance Defending Freedom. So you guys know there is a a battle going on right now about vaccine mandates. No matter what your opinion is on the particular vaccine, blatant governmental abuse of power is unacceptable. President Biden cannot lawfully force private and religious employers to enforce his vaccine mandate, period. And that is why my friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are challenging the vaccine mandate in court um, if it is actually enacted. um, And uh, they need your help to be able to do that. They are protecting our cherished freedoms from abusive government. And that is why it is vital for you to join me in supporting ADF. Go to adflegal.org slash Allie. Make a tax deductible donation to ADF's Freedom Fund to ensure they have the resources necessary to take the Biden administration to court all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary. They defend people against government overreach at no cost to their clients. But in order to continue to do that, they need help from people like you and me. So whatever you are able to give, even if it's just $5, that is a contribution that absolutely counts. We've seen the good that can happen when Americans stick together. Take the airline pilots, for example. Uh, We have seen them make a difference in pushing back. Good for them. ADF is someone, is an organization that you want to link arms with that is fighting for our freedom. So go to adflegal.org slash Allie. Make your donation today. That's adflegal.org slash Allie. So as a Christian, I am called, we are called to be loving, one, and to be reasonable. And love doesn't mean whatever we want it to mean. Love, according to the God who is love, as 1 John 4, 8 says, is not endless tolerance or unconditional acceptance or eternal empathy. Empathy is not a fruit of the spirit. We could do a whole episode on that. I think that's another term like nuanced and like tension that is used when people really don't know how to articulate a true perspective on a particular situation. We'll get into that in another episode. But 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, love rejoices with the truth. And the truth is, according to what we know as Christians, is that God made us male and female. We read that in Genesis 1.27. That fixed dichotomy is part of what it means to be made in God's image, as that verse says. Philippians 4.5 says that our reasonableness as Christians should be made known to everyone. How many Christians, myself included, very often need to hear that? So it's not by our strong feelings. It's not by our emotional reactions. It's not by even our empathy that we should primarily be known. It's our reasonableness. It's our love that is rooted in truth. Now, let me read you also James three sixteen through 17. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Uh, Christians are to be reasonable and loving, and our love is reasonable. It is rooted in truth. If it's not rooted in truth, then it's not love. Our wisdom is reasonable. It is persuaded by facts, by logic, by solid argumentation, but ultimately it is found in our fear of God and our adherence to his word. 
You also notice in that passage from James, the word disorder, I talked about this on Instagram yesterday, that disorder and chaos and lawlessness and confusion are always depicted very negatively in the Bible. We see from beginning to end that God is a God of order. He is a God of process. He is a God of boundaries, of parameters, of definitions. And as his children, we follow these. We rejoice in them. We celebrate the confines and the constraints that he has placed upon us for our good. Read Psalm 119 and you will see the posture, of the expected posture of Christians when it comes to God's rules. Christians are not called to be constantly swayed by our feelings, tossed to and fro on every wind of doctrine. I think that's in Ephesians 3, if I remember correctly. We are called to grow up into him that is the head. That's also in that Ephesians passage. We are not called to be swayed uh, by feelings, even feelings that we may feel are justified because we call them empathy. If empathy is not rooted in truth, then that's not love. We are not called to agree with everyone. We are not called to affirm everyone's identities and decisions. You're being told that simply respecting people's humanity. That's not true. God tells us what it means to respect someone's humanity. He defines humanity as being made in God's image. He defines being made in God's image in Genesis 1:27 as being made male and female. So we don't believe as Christians in self-identity and self-defining at all. We believe in a God who made us and tells us what we are and why we're here. We take on a posture of submission, not a posture of self-identity and self-empowerment. We don't follow the God of self. We follow the God of scripture. Those two things can't go together. We can't out-love, out-compassion God. There are too many, I think, social justice professing Christians and certainly um, social justice activists who are not Christians who believe that they can out-love, out-compassion God by watering down what he says in his word. But The God who is love, 1 John 4, 8, we're not love, God is, so he defines it and everything that he does and says then is done from love and he says that he made us male and female. Therefore, it is loving to affirm that truth. No matter what everyone else says, we cannot out-love, out-compassion God. And we can see what happens in society in general when we deny human nature, when we go against God's design, when we perpetuate a lie. Like a man who says that he is a woman is a woman. You get laws like those in California and Washington, which allow male sexual abusers to share prison cells with women because they've now declared themselves women. And you don't see it going the opposite, by the way. You don't see women declaring themselves men so they can transfer to the women's or transfer to the men's prison. Think about that. That is actually a law um, that is allowing what I just described to happen right now. Men, even sex offenders transferring into women's prisons because of their self-declarations. You see the problem with self-declaration, right? Like you see the problem with going against human nature. Progressivism always gets human nature wrong and always to society's detriment. You get a boy in Loudoun County, Virginia, calling himself gender fluid, wearing a skirt and raping, reportedly, a ninth grade girl because their new policy in that district allows for boys who identify as non-binary or who identify as girls to go into girls' restrooms. Like how many times, like how many times do we have to see this kind of stuff to realize that conservative slippery slope arguments, so-called slippery slope arguments, their so-called fear mongering will always manifest themselves because it's really not a slippery slope fallacy. It's just deductive reasoning. These are not one-off situations. And I don't mean to highlight that one boy who I believe 
has probably been a victim of a predatory system who unfortunately um, has apparently not been led well by the adults in his life, but now he has made a victim of someone else. Like This kind of thing is happening probably much more than we're even hearing about. This is not to say that all people who identify as transgender are predators or even close to most of them. I don't I don't believe that. Certainly people who truly struggle with gender dysphoria, like these are not the people who are walking around. These are not the men who are walking around naked in women's spas like at, at we spa. That is not a characteristic that you see of people who truly have gender dysphoria and are very uncomfortable in their bodies. Unfortunately, this is something that is being exploited, capitalized on by predators because this is the world of self-declaration. You're not going to test the validities of the validity of someone's self-identity if you believe in the God of self, if you believe in this postmodern notion that truth is relative and that we get to decide who we are and what our truth is, then you have no basis to question whether or not the guy who is parading around naked in the women's locker room at We Spa in LA really identifies as woman. He says that he does. And apparently that is like the only, that's the only qualifier. That's the only signifier. This is the danger of self-definition and self-identification. This is the danger of going against the laws of nature that God has compassionately and wisely designed for us. So, I'm, I, but I'm not saying, of course, like I said, that most people who are truly transgender are predators. That is not the point that I'm making. It is to say that lies create bad policy. And policy affects people, as we say so often, Uh, in the same way that lies about the police led to defunding the police, which led to a rise in homicides, victims of which are disproportionately black. That's always the case with social justice. The intentions are to help the most vulnerable. The result is enabling predators and making victims even more vulnerable. So no, no, no. That's my answer to all of that. No, I reject it all. I reject every bit of it from the very premise that a person can choose their gender, from the premise that gender and sex are detached somehow. I reject the misuse of pronouns. I reject the redefining of terms. I reject the superficial, destructive, lazy idea that love and compassion just mean affirming whatever everyone wants you to affirm. I reject it. And I encourage you to, as well, to just be courageous and clear and pastors Teachers of the Bible, have you been consistently clear on this? Because I promise you, the people who follow you, the people in your congregation are wondering about this. And if you allow them to drift towards what culture says about these things in a few years, their language surrounding this issue is going to be indistinguishable from the rest of the world's. Because the world has a very, the secular world has a very strong PR team. They are all the global and national institutions that we see and certainly all of the mainstream media outlets, even outlets like Fox News and the New York Post to use feminine female pronouns for males. Um, And so it's very easy to be swayed by the culture and to believe that that's what it looks like to be loving. So pastors, Bible teachers, anyone who is discipling young people or discipling anyone, make sure that you are consistent and clear and courageous on this because people are wondering about this. And if they're not getting their answers from you, a trusted teacher of the word, a Christian who is supposed to be discipling uh, them in this, then I promise you they are going to get their answers from a random 21-year-old on TikTok who says that, you know, Jesus is a transgender communist. They're going to get their answers from somewhere. Don't you want the answers to be from you? And if you're scared of being controversial, if you're scared that you're going to offend people, then I just have to question your courage on sharing a much more controversial truth, which is the gospel. 
Like I always say, this is a Genesis 1 issue. First chapter of the Bible, very foundational, male and female. I have a hard time believing that for a very long time, you are going to be able to defend a much more controversial truth, which is John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you're not even going to defend and define what God defends and defines in the first chapter of the Bible. Again, this is fundamental to what it means to be human, to to be made in God's image and to deny and to redefine what it means to be male and female is to try to deny and redefine not just what it means to be human or just not just humanity, but also the divine. Um, And Christians should really have no part of that. This isn't difficult. Like it's difficult in some ways because it certainly takes courage, but it's not complex. Like it's very, very simple. I mean, I'm just so grateful to the Lord that he has offered us so much clarity and and wisdom in all of this. I really hate confusion. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord has given us such a strong and firm and clear foundation on something that is now apparently a very controversial topic. All right. I'm going to talk about Margaret Atwood, the feminist icon who is now being called a turf in just one second. But I've got to tell you about Good Ranchers. Guys, it is time to rally together and support American farms and American farmers. You've seen the strain on our supply chains right now. And it's one of the reasons is because for far too long, we have relied on foreign imports. We have relied on other countries to supply us with the food and the things that we need. And so now is the time to make the people, make the communities that we rely on um, to bring that much closer to home, to make it much smaller. Well, Good Ranchers makes that really easy. All of their meat, their grass-fed beef, they're better than our organic chicken comes from American farms. And so all you have to do is go to goodranchers.com slash alley, pick out the cuts of meat that you want. They send it on dry ice to your front door. You can even subscribe. You can get that box of meat every month and it's 20% off per box when you do that. Plus you can use my link, goodranchers.com slash alley. You get an additional $20 off plus free express shipping, or you can use my code alley at checkout. There's really no reason not to do this. I see you guys uh, tagging me on Instagram. It was like, I don't know, the 40 ad just did it for you. You finally decided now is the time. Now is the time. It was that great of an ad that you were persuaded. Well, now is the time. Now is the time to make that order. So go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for that discount. It's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Margaret Atwood um, seems to somewhat agree with what we're saying. I don't think from a Christian perspective, but she seems to see the importance of you know, saying that women are women. Uh, She wrote The Handmaid's Tale, which liberal feminists have interpreted as a tale of the dangers of um, the dangers of American patriarchy. Uh, They, you know, whip out their red robes whenever there's anti-abortion policy or when there's a judge like Brett Kavanaugh being confirmed as a justice. They claim that everything is a handmaid's tale. It's yet to manifest itself. It's super embarrassing, honestly, when they do this. It's weird, but they love drama. Liberal feminists love drama and they love Margaret Atwood for helping them create this drama. And, you know, the book obviously turned into a show on Hulu or something. I've never seen it. However, Atwood tweeted out an article from the Toronto Star titled, Why Can't We Say 
woman anymore. Uh, the article criticizes the language that we've now adopted, person with a uterus, etc. Uh, but the author, I don't believe, is any kind of conservative. And Atwood is certainly a leftist. If you go to her Twitter timeline, she's always posting about climate change and things like that. Um, but people just went after her, calling her a turf, calling her a bigot, telling her to do better, just slamming her. There were, of course, people who respectfully disagreed with her and tried to get her to change her mind or clarify her position or things like that. And even if I disagree with their pushback, I appreciate people who can respectfully have that dialogue. But I'm sure that she sees what we should be able to see, that this is really a misogynistic movement, whether the intention is that or not. Like these people actually hate women and want to diminish what makes womanhood unique. And like you're seeing that we're not having this big debate about men and women who want to identify as 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 women who want to identify as men. Like we're not really talking about that. That's because we know that women are particularly vulnerable and we are being we are the ones who are being forced to change our language. We are the ones who are being forced to give up our privacy, our protection, our safety. And it doesn't seem to really go the other way. Like, how do you not see that? Um, People are arguing against Margaret Atwood um, that you can still say woman. uh, You should just use other words, too. And, you know, that's the point. That's what they're saying in response to her. Well, actually, if you look at the CDC, for example, uh, the word woman is often replaced with ridiculous terms like people with uteruses. Um, Only women have uteruses, guys. Only women give birth. That's never going to change, no matter how much you want to try. Declarations just don't have the power to change that. In Handmaid's Tale, um, they live in this totalitarian patriarchal state called Gilead. Well, get this. So I saw someone post a screenshot of this, and this was just crazy. I couldn't believe that it was true. And I had to look up the article myself just to verify it. So back in 2019, the New York Times reported on a company called Gilead, which has made a new HIV drug. So here's what the so um, the title of the article is FDA approves new HIV prevention drug, but not for everyone. Uh, The drugs maker Gilead Sciences tested it only in men and transgender women. The FDA noted some activists and scientists said the approval sets a dangerous precedent by allowing companies to dodge the expensive trials needed to test medicines on cisgender women and other groups at risk of HIV infection. Um, So men and men, because transgender women is the terminology for um, for men who identify as women. So this company only tested this HIV drug in men and men who identify as women. So here's what the here's the byline uh, for uh, the summary under the title of this article says, citing a lack of evidence, the agency will require Gilead to conduct additional trials in individuals. Ready? Individuals who have receptive vaginal sex. That's the new term that the FDA is using, or at least in 2019. Uh, for women, individuals who have receptive vaginal sex. But yes, it's people like me who are just reducing women to their biology. Like, think about this. Think about this. Think about the consequences of something like this. I'm not sure how much longer agencies like the FDA are even going to be able to get away with saying something like that. Think about that. Like, we constantly hear this nonsensical maxim, trans women are women. 
And and they believe that. Like the people who say that really believe that trans women are women. Like that doesn't even mean anything. But so if, if a company uh, tests a drug only on men and so-called transgender women and both the company and the FDA, which is already so corrupt and left wing in many ways anyway, have to accept that trans women are women. That's the, that's the maxim. That's the religious doctrine that you have to buy into in order to be a compassionate person in an accepted and polite society. Will a company be able to get away with saying, will the FDA be able to get away with saying this drug, um, has been tested on men and women when it's actually only been tested on men. Like we definitely see where that's going. Like if you believe trans women are women and a company says this has been tested on men and and women and they don't even have to specify at all, then we're just going to assume that it's been tested on everyone when it hasn't. Like you see, that's just one of the many ways that medicine and that science are going to be bent to delusion in a way that once again is going to harm women. Men and women's bodies are different. We react to illnesses differently, to medications differently. This is one reason why God hates chaos. And why we as Christians should hate it. It's not loving. It's not loving. Do not give an inch. Don't give an inch on this. It's not a loving thing to do. It's not a reasonable thing to do. It's not a truthful thing to do. So when I see the conservative outlets, like I said earlier, like Fox News or the New York Post or other conservatives using, quote, preferred pronouns, which I have seen even some of my conservative friend influencers do. I just want you guys to know that you are enabling this stuff. You're enabling the madness that really hurts people, that hurts women, Speaking of hurting people, by the way, in all of this, uh, people are still claiming that Dave Chappelle hurt them in his Netflix special, which we discussed last week. I wrote an article about this for World Magazine, too. Um, Chappelle published a new Netflix special called The Closer, in which he says gender is a fact. He says that he's on J.K. Rowling's side, on team turf, as it were, uh, that everyone, he said that everyone got here by being birthed by a woman. And people have been freaking out about this ever since, even though he makes fun of every other kind of person imaginable. I can't even, I'm not saying that I've been this Dave Chappelle fan for a long time. Obviously, as a Christian, there are a lot of crass things and appropriate things that he says that I don't like. And I don't agree with, but have I ever tried to cancel him because he is, you know, hated on white people or made fun of Christians or conservatives or things like that? Like, remember when he went after Candace Owens and he said some really rude things about Candace Owens? She laughed about it. She didn't try to get him canceled. Like, this is a huge difference between the right and the left. When the right gets offended, they typically, they're getting offended for, um, They are typically, not always, I know there's some cancel culture on the right and some snowflakery on the right, certainly, but the indignation manifests itself differently. It is not, you hurt my particular marginalized identity and now I want to see your entire life destroyed. Um, It is, hey, we think this, this is inappropriate, this is wrong, this is inaccurate, and here's why we think that this shouldn't be uh, this shouldn't be promoted anymore. Like the Cuties movie when they had scantily clad 11-year-old girls in very strange, suggestive positions on their advertisement. Yeah, like that seems legitimate for Christians to say, you know what, this isn't appropriate. These are children. And as children, they can't 
actually technically consent to this kind of stuff. Like, this is wrong. You see how that is different than saying this comedian made a joke about the group that I represent as well as tons of other groups, and therefore it needs to be taken off of Netflix and the head of Netflix needs to resign. It's, I mean, this is exactly what Dave Chappelle said would said would happen. He made fun of the LGBTQ activist crowd for being more sensitive than any other group that he has ever criticized or made fun of. Um, So some Netflix employees staged a walkout yesterday to protest the special. And then a couple counter protesters showed up. They were, they had signs that just said, jokes are funny. We like Dave. Like they weren't saying anything inflammatory. It was just kind of funny. But let me show you a little clip of something that went down. Okay, so you didn't see the little part after that, but um, so the one of the guys, if you're listening to this, one of the protesters against Netflix and against Dave Chappelle broke the sign of a guy who had a sign that just said, like, I like Dave. And he was kind of sarcastically and funnily singing trans lives matter. (laughs) And so one of the protesters took his sign, broke it. And like the stick that the sign was on, he gave it back to the counter protester, the pro the pro Dave Chappelle protester, and then starts yelling, he has a weapon. He has a weapon. He has a weapon. I mean, how funny. How funny is that? Um, And then, of course, the counter protester made fun of that was like, oh, yeah, I have a weapon that you literally just created and then gave to me. Oh, my gosh, these people are not well. Uh, So these are, again, the same people who said the right was freaking out about an advertisement, you know, the cuties advertisement with the scantily clad young girls. But they're mad because Chappelle said that we all came from women. I mean, what, 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 you guys? Um, Also, yesterday was uh, apparently International Pronouns Day. I mean, I love grammar. So if International Pronouns Day is a way to celebrate one part of grammar, that's great. I love that. I love International Pronouns Day, but apparently that's not what it is. Apparently, According to the State Department, all right, the State Department, they tweeted today on International Pronouns Day, we share many people, we share why many people list pronouns on their email and social media profiles. So that's our government, guys. That's our government. Once again, insane. Um, In 1984, Orwell says there was truth and there was untruth. And if you clung to the truth, even against the whole world, you were not mad. It's really important for us to maintain our sanity. Stay reasonable. Stay truthful. Stay sane. Cling to what you know to be true. Two and two make four. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. You will be vindicated either in this life or the next. So we can cling to that. Speaking of just awesome women, girl power, if you will, and truth and people's speaking up about unpopular things in a way that is eloquent and persuasive. I just wanted to end on a great, positive, inspiring note. Condoleezza Rice went into the lion's den on The View, and she pushed back against the tenets of critical race theory. Here's what she said. The whole issue of 
critical race theory and what is and is not mm -hmm. being taught. Uh, I come out of an academic uh, institution, and uh, this is a, something that academics debate, what is the role of race and so forth. And, and let me be very clear. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't go to a movie theater or to a restaurant with my parents. I went to segregated schools till we moved to Denver. Mm -hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me, that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it, and you are going to be anything you want to be. And that's the message that I think we ought to be sending to kids. One of the worries that I have about the way that we're, we're talking about race is that it either seems so big that somehow white people now have to feel guilty for everything that happened in the past. I, I mm -hmm. don't think that's very productive. Or black people have to feel disempowered by mm -hmm. race. I would like black kids to be completely empowered, to know that they are beautiful in their blackness, mm -hmm. but in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. Yep, 100% love Condoleezza Rice. And you know, I think that's how the majority of Americans feel. And yeah, we have let these radical ideologues take over our institutions and the consequences are just are dire. Um, but let's listen to an inspiring woman like Condoleezza Rice. It's very simple. It's very simple. And isn't that the kind of world that we want? So thank you, Condoleezza Rice, for articulating that so well. All right. Can you hear my, this is my uh, drum roll. So I'm announcing the winner of our giveaway. So if you remember 500th episode, we said that there was going to be a giveaway winner. And we've been trying to figure out like, how are we going to choose uh, the winner? We randomly selected people. Uh, we randomly selected a person out of the people who sent a voicemail. So this is if you did not win, it's not because you didn't have a wonderful voicemail, meaningful voicemail that you sent me. I've listened to a lot of them. Thank you so, so much for all of the encouragement and the love that you sent me. It really does mean a lot to me. Maybe we will play some of those every week in the coming weeks just to kind of give you guys a shout out and show, you know, my appreciation to you guys. But I randomly selected uh, someone who left a voicemail and the person who was going to get a $250 Carly Jean Los Angeles gift card. I've got my Carly Jean Los Angeles shirt on. They just sent me some new stuff. I love them so much. And when you support them, by the way, you are supporting a company that shares your values. They're awesome. And they've just got really great stuff. So the person who wins gets a $250 Carly Jean Los Angeles gift card. They get a Chamonix gift set that is the, um, that's the skincare line that we promote as a sponsor on this podcast. And then a family feast bundle from Good Ranchers. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome giveaway prize um so without further ado it is katie from kansas um hopefully you're listening to this we'll post this on social media too katie you left me a voicemail saying how god has used relatable to give you the confidence to talk about politics something that maybe before you didn't feel, um, you know, fully equipped or even desirous to do. Um, but you have now written letters to your school board, to the hospital board about the things that matter. Super proud of you. 
thankful that you listen to Relatable. I hope that you enjoy all of your prizes. We will get in touch with you to get your contact information to send these things to you. Thank you guys so much. If you love Relatable, please leave us a five-star review um, on Apple Podcasts. Also, like I said yesterday, I'm going to be taking some of y'all's funny voicemails about the uh, millennial paralysis that you have surrounding doing little errands and little tasks that I have chronicled a lot on Instagram uh, for the past week. And so I want to hear from you, like, what is that one thing that you just can't make yourself do, giving your clothes to Goodwill, whatever it is, and why haven't you done it? So uh, leave a message at 682-503-1369 to tell us about that. Maybe we'll play it next week. 682-503-1369. All right. Love you guys. See you back here on Monday.